Welcome to the Fargo Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Fargo on FX. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Law of Inevitability. It's uh, Agent Agent Smith's favorite episode, <laughs> That's I think, true. of Fargo. That's true. Uh, like inevitability. <laughs> inevitability. We know what he thinks of it. What do you, what do you think of it? Um, I actually really liked it. I think there is some really... I mean, this is a, a, a quieter connecting episode, like dealing with the fallout of last and setting us up presumably for the the final three episode run. Mm-hmm. Um, although there is a pretty big bang at the end that I'm excited to, to, to talk about. Um, I, there's three episodes to go, but I feel like this is shaping up to be my favorite season of Fargo. Hmm. Um, okay. I really like season one, but I think there were some middle problems there where things got kind of hinky with the, uh, the the supermarket king and the fish NATO. I thought season two was spectacular in the early goings and mid game and kind of fell apart at the end. This had some, you know, kind of s- some tedious stuff up front, but ever since the third episode, I feel like it's been firing on all cylinders and really getting ahead of steam. And if it continues that, and that's a big if, continues that through the the, the final three episodes, I think it, it will be my favorite uh, season of Fargo. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I really like this episode, and I, I largely agree with what you just said. I think... You know, it's it's had a really solid run the last few episodes, um, to the point of did did we award it? Did I think I might have awarded it either last week or the week before? Two of us, yeah, we've awarded who won the week uh, to Fargo on two different weeks. You did it one, I did it the other, right? So, um, in in the last three weeks, you know, it's been really solid. Uh, I. I hesitate to say like whether or not this is better than season one or season two because of recency bias and, and we haven't even finished all kinds the of things. Yeah, and we haven't finished the season. It could shit the bed, but uh, so far so good. I mean, I also agree it had a kind of slow start. I think anything from episode four on has been really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I don't know. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I'm also trying to be aware of my mental state going into episodes to see how that affects my enjoyment of it. And I mm-hmm. was kind of bummed coming into this episode because I'm like, man, they killed off Ray. And <laughs> Ewan McGregor's little brother performance here has been one of the highlights for this season. I'm like, man, they just killed off one of the really interesting angles. And there's still four episodes to go. It's like, is, is Fargo even going to – is this going to fall apart? But I was blown away by how strong this episode was. So – I was expecting to kind of be annoyed or like bored without that dynamicism of the of Ewan doing two of these you know dual performances, and it still succeeded. So I thought that was of of, of extra note. Before we get too much further in the episode, I want to talk about what's going on in Bald Move this week. You might think it's a quiet week for Bald Move because we have Better Call Saul, but we uh, we we busted out twin commissions on you, American Gangster. And the first two episodes of the classic Twin Peaks series from 1990. Uh, I thought those were both entertaining and interesting projects. You might want to check those out on our um, uh, uh, in our commission feeds. Uh, we also released a look at Wonder Woman last night. We've got a spoiler-free edition you can download where we talk about the movie in spoiler-free terms and, and talk about upcoming movies and their trailers. Uh, and then if you're a club member, you can download the full spoiler-filled review on that. And then next week, early next week, we we're going to have The Fugitive. We just recorded a, yet another commission podcast for that. It'll be dropping Monday. Uh, and then we got a full the full battery of uh, the f- finale, season finale leftovers, um, the next episode <laughs> yeah. of Better Call Saul, and uh, Fargo. So stay tuned for that. Follow everything at baldmove.com. Maybe now is a good time to get into like talking about the episode proper because the thing that they've done with Cy in the past that was so fun for me was his, like uh, – I guess rivalry between mm-hmm. him and Ray, you mm-hmm. know, uh, that has been a source of endless entertainment for me in mm-hmm. this show. And you're right. Killing him off eliminates that. But I think they've taken Cy in another direction this episode that is potentially even better. You know, it's not, not quite as entertaining, like pure, uh, okay, yuck, yuck. It's, it's funny, but man, the performance that Cy delivers, the performance that that actor delivers blew me away this episode. Yeah, especially, you know, culminating where he goes home to his wife on Christmas Eve and, you know, cries in her arms was funny and (laughs) sad and disquieting and 
made me feel a lot of things and like kind of instantly made him a real character because I'm thinking like, man, he's gotten into this business with a good friend of his and things have been going and they've gone through ups and downs, but they've always had this strong core of family and themselves. And now, mm-hmm. you know, Emmett's killed Ray, which Cy pretty much knows, and he's turned against Cy and he's got this Varga character that's that's overshadowing everything like this big bloated bat and it's uh you know it's christmas eve where everyone should be at the warmest and coziest at the time of the year and it's yeah you got literally the grinch fucking stealing christmas Uh in the beginning of the episode uh yeah him breaking down and crying michael stelberg is in i think is just incredible Mm -hmm. in in this role um it blows me away every once in a while i have to remind myself this is the guy who played Arnold Rothstein on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, I always forget that. This very cold, calculating, um, alien type of performance. Uh, and here yeah. he's he's just rounded into this three-dimensional person. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I think he's doing a great job um, as a character actor. Yeah. Because he totally disappears into these roles. I don't see Michael Stahlberg. I see the character he's trying to, to show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that scene is he's he's helpless, he's hopeless, he's pathetic. Uh, and and he the thing that I really love about it is the way that he's sort of turning away. You know, he's he's weeping yeah. and his wife is he trying to comfort him and he's turning away because of how pathetic he feels that uh-huh. he is. Uh-huh. Uh, you can tell this is a guy who does not have these breakdowns, right? No, he's got this Mike Ditka mustache he's hiding behind. But, you know, you've got this kind of. Desire for Midwestern stoicism right. and, you know, uh, the, 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 the default masculine uh, stereotype of, of not showing weakness. And here he's breaking down in front of his wife on Christmas Eve. It's got to be painful yeah. uh, and embarrassing. He, he can't help him. himself and yeah. he's ashamed of it, but yeah. it's happening nonetheless. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think it might, it might be good for him. I, I think it could be a good thing. Um, maybe he comes out the other side of this with you know some idea of what he should do or maybe he can get a greater perspective on things now that he can open up a little bit but i think yeah that's just an excellent scene the one thing that blunts because like i really like Mm Sai. do you think he was luring nikki into the parking lot to kill her though it doesn't feel like it to me it feels like he was luring her in for like a stern talking to essentially (sighs) I don't know. Like his gloves off are very different from Yuri's gloves off or or cuffs off or whatever he says. Sure. I I don't. Yeah, it's a good point. I I don't know. I wish that I'd seen the version of him where he just goes with Nikki at the parking lot and tells her like it is. Uh Uh-huh. And what his version of slamming into a Corvette with his Humvee would look like with her involved. Because that's the one thing that when whenever i try to feel sympathetic toward him i always wonder you know because like i mean there's a difference between i guess being so fed up with this asshole brother that you do property damage and like killing someone oh yeah and that's the thing like Emmett was a really good guy until arguably last week when he decided to go in on this cover-up and frame job rather than take responsibility for and i feel like he's a now a lost character like he's yeah, he's been infected by a vice. He's like a pod person. Like he's mm-hmm. spewing this VM Varga hatred towards the lower classes at the dinner table and yeah. being very off-putting doing it. He's bought into the story that Varga has been telling him. Yeah, because it's the only way that he's the hero still of the story. Yeah. he's you know that it's it's all the jackals out and trying to strip meat off his bones and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Do you think it? The way he trails off and in that conversation and the way he's so unaware of how he's coming across, I wonder if he himself is having trouble believing that. Because he also, that ties directly into uh, Winnie Lopez. Uh, he Emmett just completely, sh- <laughs> like you said, shits the bed on this police interview. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the, like, like when I, I, I literally facepalmed when I was watching this, when he just leads out with, uh, I've been here since six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been here the whole time. Have a drinking <laughs> right. and, and so I can vouch for him in size faces like I can. Yeah. Uh, it's bad. He really, I mean, I, I'm still kind of rooting for him because he's certainly not as evil as Yuri and Varga and Mimo. Sure. But it's, it's. 
too bad and, and you know and he's he's lost his wife um it's a good it's a it, it's a great character study and it's it's probably the most conflicted i felt about the i, I don't know what you call because like guys like lester nygaard um have never been the protagonists and 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 Jerry Lundegaard have never mm-hmm. been the the protagonist of it but they're I don't they're not the antagonists they're just antagonists. Yeah. And I feel like the Emmett and Sai combo are the most interesting and sympathetic we've seen that I I can think of. See, it's interesting because I'm I I'm questioning whether or not I care if Gloria solves any of this case. Like, the only people who are getting hurt here are the people who are doing the damage. Yeah. Like, Emmett's, Emmett's business being wrapped up with Varga, like, maybe he deserves it to a degree. What about Innistussy? I mean, he put yeah, a guy... Yeah, that's like, unfortunate. But even then, that's <laughs> is that potentially karma for beating a man almost to death? Uh, potentially, yeah. Like, he robbed a man of the last half of his night. That guy that guy himself was, an, was a, a right. predator. right. right. Uh, that's the thing like, like every evolving in the law of the jungle right yeah everybody is so far gone at this point that i don't know if i care to see anybody saved yeah like gloria might just be uh, pissing into the wind here yeah did you see the other thing i thought before we we, we get much further into the, the discussion of the plot did you read on um the subreddit fargate five uh did you that's Fargo TV, if you don't pronounce Aaron. Fargate, 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 yeah. Fargate Five. Uh-huh. Um, do you do you buy any of the um, political allegory? Oh sure, yeah. I feel like that anyone that doesn't at this point is being in willful disbelief because not only I mean we're if if uh, there's there's multiple levels like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of like um, Cold War parable. But there's also, I feel like, more and more a direct commentary on uh, current politics, geopolitics and American politics. And those yeah. are made explicit, explicit by um, the guy that plays um, the guy that plays VM Varga. I've David Thewlis. Blanked. Yes. Yeah. He had an interview where he essentially says, yes, the Holly was, you know, setting up this. And these these are all about different like like the 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 Stussy brothers and Psy are different fit parts of the American politic, the the people and the democracy, mm-hmm. and that VM Varga and his crew reflect the corruption and misinformation and um, you know subversion mm-hmm. of those those politics, and uh, you know you got the the, the I, mean, I think the, uh, the the parallels are pretty obvious, um, and I think interesting, and I also wonder whether these next three episodes are going to be Holly's idea for how we get out of the situation, whether they're going to be just purely um, these are the way I think things should go, or is it his fear of what, what will happen? Like I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of uh, interested in looking at it through that lens as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important part of it, you know, is this idea of truth versus story fact versus fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's, all over this season and i'm i i mean it doesn't even necessarily have to be like whatever you think about the current president and the mm-hmm. election and all that stuff and uh, all the the current events i mean it could just be even that he's talking about the general climate mm-hmm. of of the country you know yeah. there's a lot of different i mean you can go to try to map it on the specific events sure, and people sure. and places or you can take it as a broad kind of like you know cautionary tale, or you can take it as like you know a Cold War yarn. There's lots of different yeah. ways you can take it, but the the political side of it is is impossible to ignore. And if if you mm-hmm. are ignoring it, you're also ignoring it. Be, um, you're you're ignoring a cr- some some creative intent here as well. Oh sure, yeah. Because he's you know he's like Holly and a lot of people involved that have gone on record saying no no this is exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I also you know I think if you just want to view it as uh, entertainment. Story. Yeah, I think you can do that as well. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to necessarily engage on that level. Okay. Um, that said, what, what is being expressed by Varga opening up the Christmas presents? <laughs> I wish I knew. I really wish I knew. I mean, it definitely seems like an allusion to the Grinch stealing Christmas because mm-hmm. you've got this, this, this beautiful tree. And like, I loved, it's such a, it's, it's such a, 
it, it's such a mind fuck for me because I love Christmas and the Stussy family Christmas looks exceptionally beautiful, but it's been ruined um, by Ray and all these machinations and Varga is just feasting on this yeah. secondhand joy that that's, he sucked out of this family. That's a great word for it because I feel when he's you know holding the tie up and he's he's kind uh-huh. of almost trying on the stuff, trying on these gifts as if they were his own, right? In the same way that he, like, feasts upon a dinner and then goes and pukes it all up. These are things that he's denying himself, but... And also, if if this is parable trick, because this got me thinking, so if he's gorging himself on joy, what is it going to look like when he throws it up? (laughs) I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of like a portent for the, the... the episodes that come, like we're going to see some real ugliness because him throwing yeah, up food, I think so. mm-hmm. real ugliness for sure. <laughs> him yeah. throwing up Christmas cheer is going to be terrible. <laughs> and there's also like, um, you know, I, I, there's also the some some Chris, other Christmas parables here because when Emmett is going on his bizarre rant with Goldfarb and Sai, he's talking about how, you know, the uh, what does he call it? The vulgar. Or the, the 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 terrible imperative. I forget. Like you know, everything the for vile me. Maxim? The vile maximum. Everything yeah. for me and nothing for anybody's. Like who come? Did a rich man come up with that? No, that's the money grubbers and <laughs> you know and, like, and Ebenezer Scrooge and the like. Like Ebenezer Scrooge was the hero, but people have vilified him. Uh huh. You know, like the the the, the poor people, the the have nots have have turned a guy like you know that's worked and saved and scrimped all of his life. And I'm like, huh. That's a really novel interpretation of a Christmas Carol. Yeah, I and I I think he certainly views it that way because of who he is, right? Like, I think at his core, Emmett is a pretty good guy. Yeah, um, and he does things the right way if he can, uh, and 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 tries to avoid the wrong paths. Now he has been forced down them lately, mm-hmm. uh, and I think a guy like Varga wouldn't qualify. You know, Varga is in a lot of ways evil. Yes, um, in the ways that Emmett isn't. Right, and so I, I could see a guy like Varga holding that attitude for uh, sincerely. Yeah. Whereas, I'm not sure, if he's evil so much as immoral. Yeah. Or amoral. Okay, I I don't know how much of a distinction I draw there. I feel like evil uh, evil inflicts pain for the sake of pain, where an amoral character and it sort sees of pain as intent, right? sees pain as just you know a balance on the ledger that you have to pay to do a thing, right? And other people should pay it where possible. Yeah, <laughs> not yourself. Yeah, uh, but Emmett is very much not that person, and I think that's why he sees the vile maxim the way he does. Can we talk about Ruby Goldberg? Goldfarb. Goldfarb. Jesus. Yeah. Um, there's a theory on the Far- Fargate the f- the fifth that I really liked reading this week about that maybe because we're all seeing like you know that 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 Emmett and Sai is going to offload this problem onto her and that she's going to be completely destroyed by Varga and they're even talking about how it's like is it immoral to feed an innocent person into this machine. There is a, a lot of discussion about if you talk about Peter and the wolf and its themes and how ultimately the hunters are the ones that destroy the wolf. Is it interesting that they're meeting Ruby Goldfarb in a restaurant that looks very much like a hunting lodge? Yeah, it sure does. There's all these trophies huh. on the walls and they're mm-hmm. like, wouldn't it be an interesting Fargo subversion if it turns out this lady Goldfarb is a criminal uh, underworld master in her own right? Yeah, that they've they've used this funeral and storage thing as a front, and another speculation that maybe uh, she it we, we well no it's because this so somehow ties in with the ending where uh, V and Varga's crew flip over this prison bus and are there to presumably execute Nikki, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a lot of sense. What in what way? Well, I mean they've successfully framed her. Uh-huh. So why would, in the middle of their success, why would they go in there and try to assassinate her and then try to get at her uh, by flipping over the bus and get so much attention drawn to her? There's, yeah. And, and a why also is numbers – or uh, is it numbers or wrench? Mr. Wrench. Mm-hmm. Why is Wrench the, the deaf character from the first season? We saw him in young numbers in the end of last season – uh, we understood that he's been like a part of this Dakota, this Fargo mafia for his whole life. Is it possible that Yuri is actually there to bust him out of prison? <laughs> and Nikki is just like, is that they're setting us up for this like head fake? 
that you think they're there to execute Nikki or but they're really there to bail out no, uh, Mr. Wrench, or are they going to try to execute Nikki, and then Mr. Wrench is going to do something completely badass and awesome to get the upper hand on Yuri and kill him? Uh, answer, I don't know. <laughs> but those are all interesting ideas. I, I kind of like the idea that maybe they're there for Wrench. Like, like, Yuri is not necessarily working just for Varga. He's just a hitman for hire, mm-hmm. and or an, an odd job taker, and that he's there to for Mr. Wrench to get him out. Right. Instead of uh, uh, coming for Nikki. I mean, is it... it, We know that all of these uh, villains that we've seen on screen in the last few episodes have been working for something larger, right? Mm -hmm. Some larger corporation or entity of some kind. We have no hint about VM Varga, if there's anyone, uh, any level above him, though. He's never... I mean, I thought, he's never referred to a home office or anything. Like, he he says that he is the wealthy man that's trying to get wealthier. He's trying to be, like, I, I've i never heard him refer to any higher up or a boss. I thought he had, but I, I can't cite it specifically. But I, I wonder if maybe the connection could be there. Hmm. Like, higher up, you know, Wrench, Wrench is connected to the same higher up organization that Avarga would be connected to. There's also another thing because we, we've been debating about Mo Damick and whether he is <laughs> what his problem is. Okay, yeah, that's and there's a, good a lot of it. allegories there too about people that just won't refuse to see the things in front of their faces mm-hmm. uh, that you could apply to politics. But we just keep it at the plot level. I think it's instructive that VM Varga is telling the poem of the Crooked Man, and it bleeds right into the shenanigans going on at the police office in mm-hmm. St. Cloud. Does that like, you know, literally his voiceover talking about the crooked man goes over. Is that implying that, uh, the St. Cloud and possibly who, whatever County that, that, that Mo works for, that they're actually been, been bought out by Varga. I totally don't believe that. You don't No. Hmm. I don't, I don't know that there's any evidence for that. I mean, just the fact that, like, any any time you get you get where bad police work starts becoming, you know, like like for example, last season when Lou was saying, "Am I the only one clear about the idea of law enforcement here?" He was dead on. Like that police department was infiltrated by the Gerhards, and they had been, you know, on there on the dole. So, mm-hmm. I mean, crooked cops are not outside the realm of possibility in Fargo. No, and, and Damage is starting to look like he is obtuse to the point of crookedness. Uh, I don't know because I do think he bends a little here in this episode. Does he? Yeah, I, I mean, think he bends because the other the Saint Cloud guy bends. He's, I mean, he's confronted with a third murder. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I I don't buy Mo as dirty. I just buy Mo as stuck in his ways. And I've Stubborn certainly seen and in simple. I've certainly seen in leadership type squabbles like this where people just ref- like they want to win more than they want to be correct. Yeah, yeah. And I would not and I it's it's also like, you know, if you've ever seen The Wire, it's it's a well-worn a well-worn hobby horse that the the you know, people up in the the top of the chain of command don't give a shit about crime so much as they want things to just go away and be cleared and and you know nothing nothing dirty blow up in their department nothing untidy so like him trying to push things to mashed potatoes when gloria is trying to build the devil's tower with them i that 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 doesn't i don't think it screams crooked and dirty i just thought it was interesting that varga has that crooked man story that led directly to the shenanigans going on in the saint cloud police department yeah, I, I'm not ready to buy yet that he's dirty. And I, I'd also, if it's if it's crooked, I don't think it's crooked inside the St. Cloud Police Department because they do seem like they're being hacked by Varga. If there was an inside man, why would he do that? Well, I mean, so DJ Qualls comes in with this vial of poison, right? And well, we think tries to tries yeah. to kill her. Uh-huh. Um, he clearly is in uniform. Yeah, I don't know. Like, do they know him? Would they recognize him if they saw him? Um, there's a lot of questions. How did he get past right. the form master? How did Glory get? There's a lot of things that yeah. we don't know, and I hope they answer because, you know, Glory has this Kafka-esque run-in with the bureaucracy of the St. Cloud Police Department where mm-hmm. she has to have a white form, no, a blue form, no, a white form signed by her superior. She doesn't have any of those things. Um, I mean, 
I figure that she just forged Moe's signature on it mm-hmm. and just is going headlong into this thing. Because otherwise, I don't know how she would get past the guy. And right. Some people said, oh, well, she saw this guy with the syringe or up to no good going into that room, and he fought, she followed him in there. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because if she followed him, he wouldn't have been able to handcuff Nikki and get out the syringe and all that stuff. Yeah, she shows up a lot later. Yeah. See, it feels like there's just enough time for her to come to – and that was her in the bathroom like deciding like how all in on this was she going to be. Yeah. And I feel like her deciding to forge it forge it take it down that took about two minutes to do and then she comes in right at that point is it so i guess i'm what i'm saying is do we need to see that or do or 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 Hmm. is this noah holly commanding us to surmise i think i would have liked to see it uh because i have big questions about how she even got in that room right um well if she forged a signature that's the answer right but maybe she just ran past the guy too you know like I, I'm I'm curious. We just don't have any info on it, um, and I think I would have liked it. Yeah. L- let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible that the reason that camera didn't work is because Gloria was in the room or near the room? Ooh, that's a good take. It's, it's I, Then Mo would be right. It's a glitch. It's nothing right, nefarious. Because right. we've seen that no technology works around her. Mm-hmm. So maybe she gets close enough to that camera and it just shuts off. That would be a pretty cool angle. And more misinformation. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know where it leads. You know, mm-hmm. it's just interesting to think about. No, I, I I like that a lot. Oh, another random thought. Can anyone explain to me? Th- um, and I'm asking for the audience if you know. Mo wears a particular black placard under his badge where he's got like some you know ribbon decorations, mm-hmm. and I've never seen that ever before. Is that I don't why 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 what's that what's that mean what is that black thing that he's got his badge and and service decorations on some kind of just like I don't know like you you have the pocket protector maybe he's just got the shirt protector. I've just never seen it like on any any police officer before so yeah. if there's like a is, is that called a particular thing or um, it seems like because I'm thinking well maybe it supports the badge because it's too heavy but Gloria is just wearing hers on her shirt yeah. Um, so yeah, as if, if anyone knows what that is and, and why he's wearing it, I would like to know just out of my idle curiosity. Okay. Um, question for you. Yep. Let's, let's, I guess, go over to Nikki real quick. Okay. Uh, she gets interrogated by Damick, who mm. is a God Damick idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that doesn't go well. He leaves a picture for her. What does she see in that photo? That's a good question. Um, Does she, uh, first of all, do you think she sees anything aside from just Ray is dead and I'm sad about that? Th- that's a good question because I thought we would get people asking us um, or there'd be discussion about whether this is anti-evidence about him, her really caring for Ray. The fact that she has a pretty flat affect about her when she's confronted with the fact that her lover is brutally murdered. I want to go on record as saying... I always hate when people use someone's lack of a quote-unquote normal reaction as evidence of their guilt. And I also Uh want to go on record to possibly use in my defense in the future that I firmly (laughs) believe if someone showed me a photograph of my wife and or child brutally murdered that I would look like a fucking robot. Okay. Is it like shock? Is it I'm, disbelief? I'm, I'm just saying like, it... my, like when my grandfather died, I sat in the funeral thinking I should be crying now. Why am I not crying? Am I some kind of fucking robot? And then two weeks later afterwards it hit me and I lost my shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like I'm always like that. I, I, I feel like I'm going to be the guy who, you know, the cops are going to be like – this glassy-eyed son of a bitch yeah. did it. I soon, as soon as I walked in there, tell him his wife was murdered, and he just <laughs> looked at me with his fucking dead mackerel eyes. I knew it. Yeah, and I want my defense attorney to play this at my trial. And then this, because I first, first of all, that'd be fucking hilarious because I'm be, having yeah. this mad discussion about my guilt or innocence based on this thing, like. I can see the prosecutors like, oh, he said he set this up for years in advance, right? Um, conspiracy, but yeah, like, so I don't, I don't feel like if someone has a quote unquote unnatural reaction to death, that that automatically means they're guilty. Sure. However, that wasn't 
atypical reaction. Like she instantly was scanning it. I've thought for clues. Now people were discussing. I've seen people discuss whether like, oh, there's a round white object underneath the dress. Uh-huh. There's I I studied the picture. There's nothing that jumped out as obvious to what she was seeing. But yeah, she was clearly here. turning her mind over to try to see if there was some 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 evidence there. Yeah, and I really don't know what it was. Some people and said I, when she said follow the money that she's yeah. actually talking about their seed money that they stole. Uh-huh. That like literally like she noticed that maybe that was underneath that dresser and it was gone. So she's telling Gloria like literally find that money and then you'll find. But like why would Varga take ten grand? Why would he give? Is a it shit? possible that it's like something that's not on the books? And if it's not on the books, they'll realize that these aren't the real books or but something. Like well, so there's another. I don't know. I thought it was very interesting how Ruby said, my accountant looked at your books and he, she said, they said they positively sing. Yeah. If you think of like old timey gangster talk, sing like a canary is when oh. someone is turning state's evidence. So I thought uh-huh. that was like, if someone looked at books and they're singing, then maybe that, 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 that's, that's. It has a double meaning, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think you might be onto something there. However, but I didn't see any money. We saw that Ray like, just took money out of his account. Like it's and then the IRS is there to ask questions about it, and like so, yeah. maybe, maybe I don't know. So hmm, I wonder how much uh, surveillance they have on the IRS agent who they kicked out of the building last time, because Gloria might be able to go to him and work with him, maybe to figure something out. But I mean, Gloria's not here to prosecute them on bad taxes right no she wants to get the bottom of a murder investigation elliot ness didn't want to take capone down to taxes that's yeah how they did though maybe all they can give Vargo on is tax evasion yep the cover-ups all uh, is what you get busted for not the crime yep uh no those are but they don't come back to it in this episode uh what she possibly saw in there so no next episode i hope yeah what do you think of the scene with yuri and is it doug or donnie or maybe danny the guy who's supposed to be getting Jim Gaffigan, but it's some other guy. Oh, yeah, the other – the dumb cop. I, I will say that I – ever since I've known that this is supposed to be Jim Gaffigan, like, it, I keep imagining him in his role. Because some of those lines yeah. that this guy says, like, I can clearly see Gaffigan saying it, and it would have been – I feel like this scene with Jim Gaffigan would have been funnier and a little bit more tragic, scary than this dude that I don't know anything You're probably about. right. I, I think – because Gaffigan takes a little off. bit of a, a softness and passivity into the role because that's kind of like his his gear. Uh-huh. Um, why doesn't this guy? He's got he's got the drop on him. He's got a gun, and Yuri's got a fucking weird tire whacker. Yeah, why doesn't he stand his ground? I mean, this is it's, this is Tom Hanks' son in the first ep- in the first season, right? getting ran off uh, the traffic stop by uh, yeah. Malvo. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, this guy, you know, he doesn't buy into the story necessarily, but he's very confused by it. Is um, he confused or terrified? I think he's scared. Well, I, I think both. Um, you know, what he's saying on the surface makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But Yuri is saying it with such conviction and confidence mm-hmm. that it confuses this guy, who is yeah. not very bright in the first place. Um He's probably a Mo Damic type who's looking for the mashed potato, and that's not what he's getting here, and he doesn't know how to process it. I Wouldn't think. he at the least drive about a mile down the road and, and hit up Gloria? On the radio or something? Yeah. yeah. And, like, tell it, like, there's this weird guy, and he's got a wolf-shaped motorcycle helmet. And he's, <laughs> right. You know, I, I, I felt like that – I. I because I was trying to decide, it's like, okay, what would you know? What would I do in a situation? Okay, but but also, what would I think this guy would realistically do? And I feel like I don't understand why he wouldn't at least tell his boss about it. Get her. Involved. He might. Yeah. I mean, we we see like the briefest of cutaways where he gets he leaves. Right. I guess I just feel like that maybe maybe I'm wrong. This episode's not taking place in real time, and that you know yeah. we would have seen the call that he makes to Gloria if if he was going to make a call. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't see the. I don't know. There, there's some stuff that they're just not showing us. Right why now. did they? St- why did he have Yuri steal the Stussy records? Uh, he's trying to get info on Gloria, I think. But but he took the Stussy records. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing. There's like he wasn't stealing personnel files. He looked like he was taking their case records. Yeah, I mean, it might give him. Uh, kind of an insight into her path that she's on. Because it's not like. 
I mean, even if he takes these files, it's not like that's going to stymie her investigation. Yeah. She's got all that. That's, she showed an impressive command of the facts when she, like, gave the short story to the, the police chief of St. Saint, Saint, uh, was it St. Saint, Saint Cloud? Yeah. Uh, like, I thought that was a really great scene. By the way. It was. I think Carrie Coon is really rounding into shape this this season as she's getting fed up with the bullshit. Yep. Like, a lot of her intrinsic Carrie Coonness is coming out, and I'm digging it. Yeah, we were talking about, uh, while watching this, whether Gloria has a future in this department, whether she cracks the case or not. It doesn't you know? seem like it. Like, if, yeah, if I think Mo, Mo dies, potentially. Okay, yeah. If Mo doesn't make it through this season, I think Gloria might be able to take over. But... I think she's gone if Mo survives. Whether yeah. whether she is right or wrong about he this case. He seems like the type of guy's like, congratulations, you're right. Now pack your bags, get out. Yeah. Because he doesn't need her. He doesn't want her, and she's just a giant pain in his ass. Uh, if she does lose her job, she can come work at Bald Move. <laughs> like, she has some pretty good qualities to, sure. to work at Bald Move. Carrie Coon could come to Bald Move and do any <laughs> podcast she wants. Yeah. Uh, that's And, in fact, we'll, we could make her the boss. All right. I, that would be pretty awesome. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I, I would. That's that's what Bald Move needs to turn turn this whole thing around. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about some random things I enjoyed about this episode. Um, mm. When Emmett confronts Sai, do you think Sai parried that advance pretty well? When Emmett confronts Sai, yeah, and he oh, says, in the car? "Oh, you might. This, this is all about you scheming with my brother." Uh, no. So I I think the conclusion of that scene is Emmett coming to the right conclusion for the wrong reasons. You know, Sai doesn't offer any, any true facts to dispute the claims that Emmett's making. Hmm. And yet we know that Sai's right. Uh, and that Emmett is being fed a load of garbage here, but Emmett just goes on this emotional plea, right? Like from Sai. He's like said, oh, so you think me uh-huh. joining up with your leptard brother and syphilated floozy <laughs> Which, so I can turn millions wow. into thousands. You think that mad? I thought that was pretty st- astute facts. Like, what is the end game? You are the partner of a multi-million dollar business. Why the hell would you team up with Ray to do anything? But, like, and you, I, I'm feeling pretty okay. good about that yeah. scene, but then they pan up and you see Varga looking over everything, and you're like, shit, because he's going to go yeah. in there, and I don't know what it means. Um, I don't know why Emmett left that conversation talking about meat on the bones. I don't know why... Uh, when when he went inside there and Varga says, how do you feel? And he says, I feel free. And then Varga told the crooked man, I, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Cy paired it pretty well. It just, it's not going to matter because even though he's best friends with this guy and they've, they've, they've grown this business together, he's going to leave and go cry to his wife. Why? While, uh, Emmett's going to go into the arms of Varga and he knows like he's got, you know, minutes to Varga's hours to influence this guy. Mm-hmm. And Emmett just seems like he's in a weak, weak, wishy-washy position right now. Yeah, he is for sure. I mean, the, the death of his brother is taking its toll um, on Emmett. Also, uh, Varga, I think you're pretty unfair characterizing Sai's wife as fat. I mean, if anybody's fat in that relationship, it's Sai. Well, yeah, he's he's got a little he's got a little Midwestern paunch on him, but yeah. I feel like uh, you know Sai's wife's in pretty good shape for her age and and station in life for sure. And like, with as many meatloaves and, and you casseroles, could, she's you eaten. could you could you could win her over with a pastrami sandwich or butterscotch pudding. Like, I think you're wrong, Varga. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, number one, David Thewlis mustache not nearly as impressive as size. <laughs> true number two uh that that reedy little mustache ain't hiding the monstrosity that is the row of broken gravestones that is his mouth yeah yeah that's a pretty big pretty (laughs) big thing for a romantic relationship i would imagine also i think like despite her being a jew whatever that means to varga Uh uh-huh uh she's also from the midwest so i'm thinking he might have the wrong food to tempt someone from the Midwest with fried I feel cheese, like cheese curds, mil- right? uh, meatloaf, uh, a really good casserole. I think those are kind of things that uh, a good good mac and cheese. You maybe saying, what are you saying? Matt, Midwestern people can't uh, can't enjoy a good pastrami. I mean, you can, but I mean, if we think Midwestern food, you're not thinking pastrami sandwich. <laughs> you're thinking meatloaf. beer, ba- yeah, beer battered onion rings and yeah. fried cheese curds, and I think he gets there with those more likely than uh, pastrami. Bro- brats, bratwurst. Okay. Yeah. Polish sausage. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Geta, maybe, if <laughs> she's from Ohio. No, no. <laughs> it sounded good to my Midwestern taste buds. 
Yeah. Uh, what else we want to talk about? I mean, we already talked about the ending. Um, mm-hmm. I also... The ball's on Yuri. He walks out in the middle of the road and doesn't think that the bus will hit him. Uh-huh. Like, it's a good thing the bus steered that way instead of towards him because uh, he, he, he uh, pulled a fugitive with, with no repercussions to himself. Right. He... Yeah, this is the second bus that I've seen, prison bus that I've seen flip over in two days. Right. We just watched Fugitive yesterday for a commission podcast. It's coming out next week. Yeah. Stealth, stealth, stealth uh, advertisement there. Good one. Nice. Um, I also thought, like, I thought we were going to see people's arms flying off because yeah. my thing is if you're handcuffed to some steel piece of a bus and the bus flips over, your frail human wrist is just going to get popped off. Pro- probably, yeah. Her like wrist le- didn't look like, like, like it was a, in good shape. Like a Lego man's arm. Like, it's just going to uh-huh. pop right off of there. Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. She's got good upper body strength. She braced for it or something. Mm. I'm thinking about guys on the other side of the bus, because she was at least on the side of the bus that landed, you know? Yeah. Like, these guys were on the other side, and they're just, like, dangling by their wrist in this impact. Like, there's, I just, I don't know way, man. Yeah, she almost looked like she fell asleep halfway through the event. Well, <laughs> I wondered if she was dead, like, that she'd uh-huh. gotten, because, like, it looks like she hit her head pretty hard so this is interesting now if if their goal is to kill so let's go back to this idea with you know numbers or not numbers wrench uh and nikki and both being in the back here if their intent is to kill nikki which we know that was the task that uh mimo was sent on right Mm -hmm. i guess yuri might have gotten involved at this point um potentially though he might be out there to get wrench but if your goal is to kill her why do you need to cut through these bars? Couldn't you just shoot her? You want to make it seem like she's escaped? Because if right. you leave a body with a hole in its head, then that's pretty, you know, uh-huh. that's 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 a pretty clear evidence of a cover-up. Yeah. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying that that leads credence to the they're trying to bust numbers out. Right. I'm but wondering if they're trying to bust numbers out. My God, is there a less violent way to do it? Like, yeah, it's it less risky, right? You could kill him uh-huh. easily doing this shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I do like um, who – it's also hard for me to understand. Like, So one of the theories on over on Reddit was that uh, Wrench is going to like pop up and, and teach Yuri's business and save the day unwittingly. Yep. Okay. I don't know if I buy that because Yuri wasn't alone. There were several other people with him mm-hmm. backing him up, and Wrench is handcuffed. And, oh, by the way, he's just been through a bus rack. Yeah. Like, I think Wrench is a... Uh, also, what's his motivation? Well, like, someone's here to kill... Like, he, if, if I see... If I'm Wrench and I see Yuri coming and he's cutting through the doors and he's got a weapon, I'm going to assume he's there for me. Because Probably I'm, everybody on that bus assumes that, right? That's probably... Like, They're if just going to get attacked. But I swear, <laughs> I, I know Wrench is going to assume that he's he's coming there to be gotten or to, to be, you know, to be killed. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so I would try... I mean, if I'm Wrench, I would try to stop it, but I don't know what... Like, he's not superhuman. He's not supernatural. Yeah. yeah. He's just a died in a wool gangster and assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love that, like, because uh, I don't. I, if, if, I like I like Wrench as a bad guy better than Yuri. Yuri is just uh, Yuri seems like set up as the type of guy that you just want to see just get killed. Uh-huh. Um, he's like a Peter Stormare type. He's just this 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 silent asshole. Well, he's not even silent. He's got the, all these self serving speeches about the old yeah. country. Very self-aggrandized. Another funny take on uh, Reddit would be, like, Yuri delivering one of his long Russian monologues to Wrench, who's deaf. Oh, boy. That would be be pretty funny, too. And, you know, Wrench just just has no reaction to it. Um, Uh, It's interesting that Wrench is the one character that's in all three of these seasons. It is. I don't know what that means for the show, but... yeah. That's fact. Yeah. Wouldn't the, you know, wouldn't the, wouldn't the called that? No. If you had a recurring character, I wouldn't have called Wrench. Even more the than one. the money, he's the connecting link. So I I don't know. Not sure where they're going with that. Yep. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. Before we get to feedback, I want to remind everybody about the club because, quite honestly, Bald Move would not exist without our listeners' generous support. We derive the bulk of our operating expenses from uh, club membership. And you get... Uh, not just uh, the satisfaction of continued existence of Bald Move by participating in the club, but there's a lot of bonus features. You can get ad-free feeds. Uh, there's special one-off stuff that we do or, or re- recurring features we do, like Quit Your Pitching, and um, we do game playthroughs. We do uh, Lunch with Jim and Aaron, which is uh, 
uh, I can describe it as a variety show, but it's, it's essentially just us talking about stuff. And we have questions and answers that submitted in by our, our fellow club members. Uh, VIP access to the forums where we workshop a lot of ideas and get the community's uh, feedback on new stuff we're wanting to try. A way for you to personally shape the future of Bald Move. Um, and again, it uh, not for nothing keeps the podcast flowing. So go to club.baldmove.com. You can get a free one-month trial by signing up to see the kick the tires and see if it's right for you. Check it out, club.baldmove.com. We had kind of an off week for feedback, not a lot of it, uh, but we do have a bit, and I will read it. Uh, Fargo at baldmove.com if you'd like to send it in, or you can talk talk with our fellow fans on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. First up, Liz G., Ever since we've encountered Yuri the first time in the scene where he kills Irv Blumpkin, the Jewish accountant, and Yuri talks about the pogroms and how people like Yuri enjoyed beating up men like Irv, I thought there might be a Jewish theme this season. Mm-hmm. When android Minsky wanders the world, sad but basically okay, except that every hundred years or so he encounters some disaster, reminded me of the world history of the Jewish people. And of course, there hasn't been an episode where someone wasn't Jewish, or being Jewish wasn't mentioned, either by Yuri, Varga, or by Zimmerman calling people Bubby. Uh, your thoughts? Um, I could see there being some kind of Jewish par- a parable going through this as well. Yeah, it's one that's certainly lost on me. I don't, I don't know enough about the Jewish faith. I mean, I don't know. I'm culture. not talking about Jewish faith. It's more like uh, you've got this big uh, organization trying to wipe you out, that kind of thing. Like okay. it's the Russian czars, it's the Nazis in Germany, it's the fucking Romans, it's the philistines like they've had a they've got a they've had a history of people being out to get them it's true push it's them into true. the sea if you would say yeah but i uh, other than that like i other than that obvious uh reading i don't i don't see anything anything else but you're right i i didn't know that the bubby thing was a jewish jew mm. does a i guess a yiddish thing okay so you got me there liz we'll keep our eyes open for it um joe m from philly as a man who has imbibed the many old fashions by definition they are on the rocks you don't need to specify that Emmett. <laughs> is that true i think so I, I don't recall ever having a neat old-fashioned neat old-fashioned yeah um also i know firsthand that, gl- that glorious cocktail makes you say and do stupid shit because of how <laughs> de- they go down so smooth and you don't realize how much you've had until it's too late Bald move rule number one of don't talk to the cops should also say, especially after having a few old fashions. <laughs> yeah, rule 1A. Don't talk to cops, especially yeah. after, if you're liquored up. Yep. Um, Gretel B. I thought that was a pretty cool episode. I admire the restraint, but I wouldn't mind seeing other cameos. Uh, in talking about Mr. Wrench. Uh, even though this is rumored to be the last season. Oh, yeah, I yeah, want to talk about, talk that, about that in between this email. Okay. It says, I enjoyed high, uh, size, high-pitched crying voice. Thought it was hilarious. I didn't catch anything he said because of the laughter. I'm also glad Gloria got stonewalled by the other police because she's one of the least likable heroes I can remember in a while. Hmm. Where does she stack up against Louie and, uh, or Louie, Lou and Molly Salverson? I mean, I very much think she is of the same archetype. Yeah, as all of those characters, she I, is got a little bit missing something because she's, um, you know, both of those people had family, yeah, that cared about um, them. The, Lou had uh, a certain warmth to him. Yep, um, and Molly he had his had wife her, dying her of cancer dad. and his daughter that she cared about. You know, Molly had an old suit or you know old, old Lou. Yeah. yeah, young Molly had old Lou to fall back on, and then her her daughter that she had that relationship with, and also Colin Hanks's character. Yeah, by the where, end of it, you know all all Gloria's got is her son, and he's yeah. kind of um, he's been pretty absent. And he's a he's a she's a transition type. He's a he's a man on he's a person on the cusp of of manhood, and he doesn't know how he feels about his mom tucking him in, and he doesn't know how he feels about his grandfather. And also, yeah, yeah he's just been fucking missing. Yeah, we've seen him like twice in the series. I I don't know. I I guess I agree with that. You know. Hmm. I don't know about her being not likable though, because I'm still rooting for her, and I love I love Carrie Coon. Um, yeah. I also just it also just dawned on me that in Varga's backstory he mentions operations in Russia and North Korea. Yuri is some kind of Slavic slash Russian, and Mimo is some kind of Asian. I wonder if he picked them up abroad, or to back up my own theory, he's just making shit up because one guy happens to be Asian, the other guy happens to be Slavic, and there is no bigger operation. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this question in a while. Is Varga full of shit? He might totally be. Is he just a one-man Google bomb operation that has a scary-looking Russian and a scary-looking Asian, and he's just flogging that for all it's worth? He's a yeah. scam artist. 
I mean, he's a multi-level marketer. I, I feel like those are the only two possibilities. Like he's working for someone bigger or he's just completely full of shit. Or he is the big cheese in the, the international organization. I mean, maybe, but I'm not getting that impression. Yeah. I mean, his 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 organization, to be clear, mm-hmm. consists of a big rig yep. and two dudes. Yep. That's all we've seen. Everything else has been him talking, and he's also talked about faked moon landings. Right. So take all that talk with a giant grain of salt. Uh, good theory there, Gretel. Oh, let's so let's talk about the fact that there has been rumblings. There was an FX executive who did not say that Fargo was being canceled. He just said there is no current plans for a next season, and there's no idea for one. So those those two things uh-huh. are perfectly paired, right? Like you don't want there to be a next season with no idea for one. And no. you don't want there to be an awesome idea without a next season. Right. So I, I think this is perfect because we talked about, you know, how we're kind of getting a little thin on the Fargo formula. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think that was back when it wasn't so great at the first few episodes. Yeah. Um, it's getting better. But I'm still with them. Like, if they don't have an idea, don't fucking do it. Yeah, there's this uh, saying that all good things end badly. Because otherwise they wouldn't end. And you see that in <laughs> right. television history, especially, yeah. that most shows, they don't end on top because they're still popular and people want to flog them and make money and get ratings. And, you know, Fargo is not a particularly big ratings hit, but it has been a uh, shockingly high quality. Like, say what you will about, you know, your Fishnados and your UFOs. It looks great. It's impeccably casted. It's got wonderful performances and great characters. Those are hallmarks of it. It's not bad television by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. It, this season ends up going through and kind of sticking the landing and being like a great version of Fargo. I kind of would rather them quit while they're ahead than try to just keep shuffling this deck of cards and dealing out new hands and, and maybe going out on a really bad note. Yeah. I, I'm with you. Cause I don't know how the other thing is like, it's an open question to how many critical darling commercial failures that Fox can sustain. They're committed to another yeah. season of Americans and nobody's watching that right now. Um, they got Fargo that gets a lot of Emmy nominations and a lot of critical attention, but it hasn't found an audience. And they've got, you know, they got Ryan Murphy cranking out crowd pleasers, mm-hmm. uh, that sometimes that they're kind of shitty, but sometimes they're awesome. Like the, the, uh, American crime story stuff looks like it's, it's heading in that direction. So yeah. And then I they got, know. um, you know, Legion just started up this year and Legion Noah Hawley started moving over toward that probably. I mean, for selfish reasons, I kind of hope Noah Hawley moves on because I want to see him establish more of a creative voice and see what he can do when he's not shackled to an intellectual property. Right. Like get rid of Fargo, get rid of Marvel, get rid of the Coen brothers, Noah Hawley, you create something that's, you find interesting. And, and I do think he's, he's got a really great eye. Mm-hmm. So if he takes that if he takes that vision and marries it with something really unique creatively, I think it could be spectacular. And yeah, I don't know that Fargo's that thing. Uh, yeah, I'm probably with you on that. I'm I'm still Fargo's wearing a little thin on me sometimes, but I think uh, one of the reasons, one of the things we have to thank for, you know, a lot of shows are starting to do this more often certainly yeah. than they did in the past. Like we're looking at the end of Leftovers this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think streaming becoming a big thing is is partially to to thank for that because you know if all of these different networks have their streaming services that they mm-hmm. want you to subscribe to mm-hmm. um and they're they're trying to kind of pull away from the cable where everybody's cutting the cord nobody's going to be watching here in 5 years they need to get their prestige up right the only way that you can attract people is with kick-ass shows mm-hmm. not a show that used to be kick-ass and then went five seasons too long and nobody watches anymore. You need a reputation to get people signed on. And and that way you know, okay, if I sign up to this streaming service for five bucks a month or whatever, I'm going to get some quality shit. Right. And I feel like that's where HBO has always had it good is that they've, you know, had the luxury of being sort of a streaming service before that that was possible because of their premium subscription, right? Right. Um, so they've kind of cornered the market, and now Netflix getting into it, and Hulu, and all here's these. what I don't understand, and I think FX and AMC are fucking up pretty badly. Uh, they have their own app and their own distribution system that they're getting at least advertisements for. Yeah, but there, it's weirdly time locked. 
Yeah, like, it's we go, fucked up. Like, like Cecily was in the middle of going through uh, Legion mm-hmm. and watching. She got, like, the episode four, and she came the next night, no longer available. You yep. can't watch it because... We did that with Always Sunny, yeah. And I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, it's stupid. Why? Like, if you want to build an audience, you know, I mean, you could just give it all to Netflix and let them build the audience, but then... You're yeah, get, that's you're, silly. you're giving them all the eyeballs. Like I don't, I don't understand why they do that. It's probably because you know you have to verify that you've got a subscription to cable before you can do it in the first place. It's probably cable TV because I know that the on-demand shit works the same way. It's only available for X amount of time and it's gone. Yeah. But I don't like they struck me, some bad deal somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I don't I it, with with the dominance of cord cutting, like the these these whole apps appeal to cord cutters, but you have to have a cable subscription to get to them and if you do, you can only watch it for like a 6 to 8 week period and then it's gone forever. Yeah. Like how the hell can you build an audience if you do that? I mean, that's what HBO did at the like, start, I'm gonna sit, right? Like I'm going to sit down and start on season 3 of Better Call. I've heard many good things about Better Call Saul. So let me sit down and watch season 1 and 2. Oh, fuck me, I can't do it. Yeah. I need a Netflix subscription to catch up on this AMC right. a- AMC TV that I can so I can start watching it in real time. Why are you killing yourself this way? Yeah, I think this is growing pains. I think it's you yeah. know, F- FX and Fox are big network television type stuff right? right where they've got all these deals with cable and they can't and tell providers. the cable companies fuck you yet because not quite then they, yeah. you know that they're the, t- the the streaming is the tip of the iceberg for them the right. iceberg is still sunk beneath the cable waters <laughs> yeah and same it's with a, hbo like they you saw did H- the same thing yeah. hbo's like there was like a little there's the bean counters they had a scale and as soon as the beans flipped from streaming the cable they yeah. roll that HBO now. And it's why we still have Now and Go. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Like, right. I see the HBO logo and I'm like, oh boy, is this the one where I have to have the subscription or is this the yes. one where my cable gets? Fuck that. Yeah. Like, it's so stupid, but it's the growing banes of television. I, I mean, I guess if I'm a cable executive, I'd be shitting my pants because I got to know this. I have to know yeah. how stupid this is for the content providers. Yep. And I'm just a middleman, yep. which is probably why they're spending shit tons of money to spread disinformation about net neutrality and stuff right. so they can still keep their little fucking Ponzi scheme going mm. far past its, its you know, its, its natural life. Yeah, yeah, its natural lifespan. For sure. Anyway, Alexander K., Final email. I'm kind of hoping that this is there's some curveball coming to recontextualize recontextualize Varga's operation. It seems like killing Nikki in prison and certainly crashing the entire busload of prisoners would bring way more suspicion on them than whatever she might say. If they're really just looking for money laundering operation, then they should have placed pieced out when the IRS showed up, or at the very least when the brotherly feud started to attract police attention. There's any number of small-time rich folks that Varga could push around. Why is he bothering Emmett despite all these complications? That's a good question, and you yeah. also got to you got to ask yourself if Varga is behind all of this. And I'm one. I'm starting to wonder if there's another third party that he's not even av- aware of, such as the Gold Farbs, or maybe it's the Fargo Mafia, or maybe it's some other powerful institution. And also, like you know, Gretel B's point about maybe Varga is not that powerful. Yeah. He's the Wizard of Oz. Don't and if you look behind the curtain, you'll see he's just a sad dude with bad chompers. Yeah, in a bad suit. In a bad in a in a bad ill-fitting suit. Hmm. Um because because you're right, like assassinating someone in prison? Yeah. With 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 the video cutting, like I don't care what Mo Damick says, that's suspicious as hell. Mm-hmm. Flipping over a prison bus and murdering a bunch of police officers to get that's fucking suspicious as hell. Yeah, I was thinking like that's not low profile. I don't know how I don't no, care how many cheap not. suits and bad teeth you got. People are going to start asking questions. Yeah, I was thinking about what you said earlier about okay, maybe they want to make it look like Nikki escaped, but they're cutting the fucking bars with a saw. Right. Where did Nikki get the saw? Yep. You know, it's like at the very least, or at the at the most, maybe she had a friend helping her. Right. Yeah, I, maybe they want to make it look like that, but I, I can't explain it. But I'm going to try to go in with an open mind because I don't want to be. Oh yeah, I don't want to be fishnadoed or, or UFO'd. It's like sometimes people get mad at me, but it's not like I'm looking for a reason to be pissed off about this television show that I otherwise love. Yeah, like I'm looking for a reason to be delighted. So I'm actually I'm actually looking for the the punch to come so I can be ready for it. <laughs> but uh-huh. like there, it does seem like they're setting up a lot of things that are very hard to resolve in one's mind and again well, I mean, know, that would pay is... that would that would if this ultimate here's the sucker punch i think we need to start preparing ourselves for 
the ending of Burn After Reading, where it's just a bunch of high-level CIA guys saying, what did we learn from all this? Nothing. This was stupid. Okay, well, fuck it. On to the next thing. Where it's like, at at a very top level, it's just absurd. Case of mistaken identity and unfathomable pinheadery, and there is no answer. There is no greater thing. It's just a giant clusterfuck that people are going to move on from. And it's possible, yeah. I did not like that about Burn After Reading, but I'm trying to see if I can get on board with what I could learn from a story or what, what I could take away from that story and maybe be impressed by just the, you know, like, like you know, you can be impressed with the elegance of a machine that turns itself off mm-hmm. without worrying about, well, it's a purposeless machine, right? Sure. So that's what I'm trying to hold on the, to that zen going forward. The problem with Sucker Punch is, is – that by definition you don't see them coming. Yeah, <laughs> like you couldn't have possibly seen a fishnado or the UFO coming. I f- yeah, so I feel like that. That preparing yourself seems like an impossibility. Yeah, but that's. I also think because in the last year I've made a point to get all of the Cohen Brothers filmography into my system because mm-hmm. those sucker punches I do think came from the Cohen Brothers filmography. So okay. You know, right. there's a lot of there's a lot of and, and uh, there's a lot of Fargo DNA in this one. Like, yeah, uh, Nikki trying to get away from the police officers is straight Jerry Lundegaard trying to sneak out the bathroom window. Sure. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I've, if all of all the stuff that I've seen from the Coens that is applicable, this burn after reading where it's just a, uh, a case of compounded mistaken uh, identity and far and farce, uh, violent, deadly farce that that, that c- comes from from all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the only bad thing is, like I said, like that Burn After Reading is one of my least favorite Cohen films. So, brace myself right. for that sucker punch. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all I got. If you like to send f- feedback, you can do so uh, Fargo at baldmove.com. You can also get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. You can follow us on social media at facebook.com slash baldmove or at baldmove on Twitter or Instagram. We'll be back with next week. We're entering to the final home stretch, the final three episodes. Uh, we will see you there. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye. <laughs>